A lot of people are told throughout their careers that they're not creative. And, and especially in the corporate world, they designate a whole team of people. Hey, those are the people that do creative. So you're not responsible for ideas. And then they're like, oh, well, I'm just not creative. Well, yeah, you are. The creativity is just kind of beat out of us for a while and it's a skill, right? And so you have to practice that skill and you have to get confident. Greetings, innovators, and welcome to Back of the Napkin, where we explore big journeys in the world of small business with the personalities who make it happen. This is where small business leaders can hear about unique ideas that have launched successful enterprises across America and meet entrepreneurs who aren't afraid to think differently. And it's brought to you by Sure Payroll, where small business is their business. I'm Stephanie Davis from the Sure Payroll team. And I'm Dusty Weiss, a small business owner from the Midwest, and we are fired up to get this adventure started. On today's episode, we are going to be talking to Lee Kitchen, a creative guru and consultant from Florida who, after a 30-year career at Disney, is now helping companies and groups apply that creative mindset to their own internal problems. Also, his live stream DJ sets on Twitch are the stuff of legends, but we'll get to that in a second. First, we'd love if you took a moment and subscribed to Back of the Napkin in your favorite podcast app. We'll be releasing our season one episodes over the next few weeks, and we don't want you to miss any of them. So take a moment to hit that subscribe button. And hey, if you enjoy the show, why don't you do us a big favor and give us a five-star rating in your favorite podcast app, or even leave us a review and tell us what you liked, and you might just be helping another entrepreneur like you find that bolt of inspiration that they need. So Dusty... Have you ever been in a situation where you had a bolt of inspiration, you just couldn't get it down on paper? Steph, I'm sure it won't surprise you to hear that I have made a career out of being inspired, but then just being unable to actually make that idea materialize. This happens to be all the time, and it is a constant source of frustration, I think, for a lot of small business owners out there. But the case that I think that you are referencing specifically is when we were first trying to come up with a name for this very podcast. And luckily, you had our first guest on Speed Dial. That's right. Lee Kitchen is a creative guru and consultant who equips businesses across the country with the tools they need to be more creative when solving business problems. Following a career with the Walt Disney Company, Lee began offering his creative services to businesses who need some help fleshing out their creative ideas. And yes, I just so happen to know him because we work together at Disney. And he's helped the Sherpayroll marketing team with some creative brainstorming as well. Whether a company has a specific problem, like trying to name a new product, develop a campaign, or they just need a gentle push out of their comfort zones, Lee is armed with exercises and tools to help shake things up. So today we're going to be talking to him about how he enjoys the small business journey, how his experience with the Walt Disney Company prepared him, and what led him to branch out on Twitch. So Lee, thanks for joining us today. I'm so happy to be here. First of all, I am taking you guys everywhere to introduce me. That was like the most awesome introduction. <laughs> I have learned that Stephanie is a great hype person. She's just, yeah. she's got that natural energy that she brings thank to you it. Guys. That's awesome. Well, thank you guys for that great, great introduction. And actually, you know, that's what we do in the facility facilitation world too. Uh, if you co-facilitate with somebody, we get the other facilitator to introduce you because then you don't have to brag about yourself. You have somebody else telling great things about you. So keep that in mind. I like it. That's already a great tip to take <laughs> forward here. Yes. Lee, you worked at Disney for over 30 years and Disney, of course, that's a dream job for a lot of people. So how did your experiences there prepare you 
to go out onto your own and become an entrepreneur? Oh, wow. I was lucky. You know, Disney was my lifelong dream. Since I was six years old, I could not wait to work at Disney. I graduated high school. I turned 18 and I moved, you know, in the very same weekend and basically fulfilled my lifelong dream at 18. And the rest was a whole lot of cake. And it was so great because I was lucky enough to work in about 10 different areas with many, many different people. And, you know, all those people that I met, they were all my first clients as I left Disney. So the people that had moved on and gone to other places were the first people that called me to do business with. So, you know, everybody at Disney, Stephanie, you know this, most people that was their dream job too. So it was Mm -hmm. so great to work in an environment where everybody was just as passionate as you were about working. I really love that part. When you work in a place where it's everybody's dream job, Are there still the people that you bump into in a normal corporate environment where they're like, I don't want to be here. Oh, yeah. For sure. Even at Disney? Yeah, they're still there. And, you know, it's funny because creativity is my living. And so I have to invite those people to brainstorms because they might be partners with us and they might have a decision to make in the process. But I immediately set the ground rules when we come into a session like that. And you guys saw I I signal, okay, hey, we're going to put no because away. We're only going to say yes and. And uh, I basically disarm them right uh, at the beginning and, and kind of get that positive vibe going. And uh, it works. It works when you just, you know, tell people up front what, what you expect. Uh, the brainstorm usually usually comes out really great. We know how this works from personal experience, but essentially your business model is that a company comes to you with a creative problem that they need to solve. And they hire you to come in and facilitate a brainstorming session where you run them through some exercises, get them to let their inhibitions down, and then, if all goes well, guide them to finding a solution. And so I imagine that that's pretty tricky to do if there's uh, grumpy Gus in the room. I mean, it's no secret, you are easily one of the most upbeat, positive people I know. You don't drink coffee, but you have so much energy. You're just... (laughs) I don't think I ever had a moment where I saw you like down or discouraged about anything. So yes, to Dusty's point, like how do you disarm those people? But how do you keep that up for yourself and keep it going when things like aren't necessarily the greatest? That's a really great question. First clarification, I do actually drink coffee. I just try not to drink coffee before sessions because I'm already so wound up and excited. I mean, (laughs) <laughs> Basically, I'm I am perpetually 12 years old. It's one of those Walt Disney things, you know, it, the adults that keep those childlike things into their adulthood are really lucky. And I consider myself really lucky because I have that. I tend to just naturally disarm those negative Nellies that you talk about because they find it hard to be negative around me, too. So I take advantage of that to make a really good session. Stephen Lee, you guys worked together at Disney, so I, I kind of have to ask both of you here as someone who hasn't worked at Disney but always thought it would be pretty cool. What, what were your exact jobs with the company? I worked at Disney twice. The first was I did the Disney College program my sophomore year of college, and that's when I was in the park. So I had the whole costume. I worked on Main Street. <laughs> oh, man. You worked on Main Street? That's so cool. I was in the Emporium which is the second largest retail store in all of Walt Disney World property. Yeah. It was insane. It was exactly where I wanted to be because that is the Disney vibe is Main Street in the Magic Kingdom, like Cinderella's Castle. That's it. So I loved it, but had to go back to school. After grad school, I went back for one of their professional internships, and that's when I worked with Lee. So 
that internship was amazing. My teams that I worked with were responsible for promotions. So all of that entered when a chance for a Disney vacation. Those were my teams. There were two sides of that. There was broadcast and they worked with ESPN, ABC, Freeform, Disney Channel. On the other side of my team, we'd worked with our corporate alliance partners. So any of the big companies that have partnerships with Disney, like Coca-Cola, Southwest Airlines, Kimberly Clark. And so for those, you'd be working together to make a Disney promotion. So whether that's something on a Kellogg cereal and you needed to find the sweet spot in the campaign between Disney and the other company. <laughs> and that's when I got to work with Lee. Yeah. And we did a lot of brainstorms together. And it's funny, Dusty, because so many times our promotions and our alliance marketing people, they would go out and sign these huge contracts to partner with somebody, but they didn't have an idea before they signed the contract. So they're like, hey, we just signed this multi-million dollar contract. Can you help us come up with an idea at a sweet spot for those kind of places? And so I did a lot of those acting as the unbiased person that kind of brought those two people together to kind of emerge some ideas that they hadn't thought of yet. So you were in a, in a sense, sort of a corporate mediator of saying, hey, we know we need to work together. Now we need to figure out on what. Exactly. Yeah. And so after all that time in the corporate world and 30 years of using that skill set, how have you enjoyed the transition to being your own boss? And when you were a company man, was striking out on your own even something that was on your radar? Yeah. When I went out on my own, the first thing I was like, why didn't I do this sooner? I started thinking about it. Actually, it's definitely when you and I worked together because the unique skill set that I was being taught in the department that I was in was something that other companies just don't hire for. And I thought, wow, it's, I could probably be really successful at this outside just because people don't have creativity, innovation, design thinking, creative problem solving experts on their payroll. So I actually started moonlighting a little bit before I left Disney and just to see if there was an appetite for it. And I got four or five clients even before I left. And so when I left Disney, I was lined up with clients already, which was great. That's awesome. And then you've continued to grow the business since then. I know from having to try to schedule you for things that <laughs> you're jumping right now. You've got a you've got a full dance card. It's really great. I have over 100 clients. Uh, I also have this amazing business manager. Her name is Sarah. She's also my fiance, and she's really good at all the stuff that I'm not good at. So she put me together this amazing access database that basically showcases all my clients and when I work with them and how I'm connected with them and kind of puts it all together for me. So it's just, it's amazing. I'm lucky though, because most of my first clients out of the gate were, like I said, former Disney colleagues who knew of my skill set and didn't have people in their organization to do what I do. So the first two years in business, I didn't really even do any marketing because my funnel was being fed from my former colleagues, which networking and connections is everything in small business. <laughs> and I'm sure every other entrepreneur would tell you that. But because I had such a great network up front, I was able to kind of sustain myself for the first couple of years that way. It's worked out that you have had all of the people, your business ideas down. You've had to pivot with all of the virtual stuff and any everything. Oh, yeah. Was there anything about running your business that you weren't prepared for? Well, I definitely wasn't prepared for the pivot because all my stuff was done in person, right? I mean, I'm a presence when I'm in person and, and stuff. You've been to live brainstorms with me. You know, I gather people in the room. I make everybody stand up and frolic around. And, you know, we put sticky notes on the walls and things like that. So having to kind of get my presence across in a virtual setting was a really difficult prospect and a difficult thing. And and really, I went and I learned from a bunch of different online gurus, et cetera. But I basically 
I put it together myself and I try to make it as in real life as possible. And I would say I wasn't really ready for the downtime, right? Because you work 40 hours a week at a corporation, you got to be there at nine and leave somewhere between five and seven to have a life kind of thing. And I had a lot of time to myself, which is why I started that DJ feed because I'm like, wow, I can actually be creative myself now, which is, it's a great perk of being an entrepreneur. In my own small business journey, what I've learned is how important it is to just define a niche, to find a spot where the supply of a service that you provide is exceeded by the demand. And I feel like what you do, creative problem solving and facilitation for corporations, I feel like there's not a lot of supply of that. Did you see a vacuum when you were sitting there and thinking about striking out on your own? Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, who else does what you do? Yeah. And actually we had a small microcosm of that at Disney because we were only eight people in the department, but we went out to every different place. I mean, I did sessions for Lucasfilm. I did sessions for ABC news. I traveled to Hong Kong and Shanghai and Paris and Argentina. And so I saw that there was definitely demand. And then when I left, I saw a lot of my colleagues who left at the same time as me, they were getting all kinds of other different clients. I was getting different clients. So there was plenty to go around, definitely plenty to go around. And like I said, most companies don't hire design thinking experts anymore. So I'm definitely in demand because everybody needs to change, to pivot, to think about their business differently. And I'm the guy that they call because I help rally the team around it. And I don't know your business really well. I'm an unbiased guy. I come in there and I help rally you guys so you can think about your business differently. Um, Hi, huge Star Wars nerd here. Uh, Can you tell me more about your Lucasfilm (laughs) adventure? Uh, Yes, I can, but you know, it's all top secret, but we got to go out and help them with the marketing plan for Solo. Actually, it was my former work wife, Gert, who led the charge on that. And she continually brags about that because she got the insider information before I did. She got to find out all the content of the movie. And so she rubbed that in my face for a long time. Still does. I was really jealous, really, really jealous. But yeah, that's great because, you know, it's part of Disney. And and we also got to, if you remember, Stephanie, we did a lot of work with the Synergy teams Mm -hmm. because the Synergy was responsible for kind of making those things come to life at the parks. So once a year, we would do this epic brainstorm with people from Lucasfilm, from Marvel, from ABC, from anybody who had something going on that year and how they integrated into the parks. And those are some of the best. I mean, those are like giant 60-person sessions and all day long and all kinds of stuff come up with really, really great ideas. And, you know, you have helped us with brainstorming. So I did the brainstorms with you. Then you helped share payroll a couple of times, helping us name this podcast, just doing things to get us more creative. So you've done hundreds, if not thousands of these brainstorms, worked with a bunch of definitely thousands, (laughs) tens of thousands. Yeah. All of the people all of the different industries, have you found that there's one specific problem that anybody's trying to solve for? Like, is there anything you continuously run into? I I think uh, specifically in the last year, it's the pivot and how they rethink what they normally do. So most people prior to that, I was tasked a lot for marketing and PR and operational types of things. So, hey, we have this guest data and we don't know how to use it, but we want you to inspire us with it and help us change our processes. That was a big one, Um, especially in the healthcare and the manufacturing world. In the corporate or the travel world, it's a lot of, we've got to get new business from a different segment or things like that. So I help a lot with that. But I would say now it's, 
we have a lot of great offerings, but none of it is relevant now. So now we have to think about what kind of new products that we can make out of the stuff that we normally do. And I've been doing a lot of that this year. I feel like I'm really helping people not go out of business, right? So it's, and it's a wonderful feeling. And a lot of times they call me, they were super desperate. They're like, Hey, if we don't hit this mark, we're not going to be anymore. And so I feel good about the stuff that I'm providing them because it's basically saving their business. And I've done that about three or four times this year. It's, it's been fun helping people get outside of their comfort zone when they wouldn't have thought about that last year. Oh, that's really awesome and and super timely too, just to what everybody's going through in 2020. And I've said before, and I'll say again, that if you can't pivot in 2020, there's not a lot of hope for you. And so we want to ask you some more questions about your journey as a small business owner and some of those pain points that you help people through. So we're going to continue this conversation with Lee in a moment. But first, a quick look at the Shore Payroll Bulletin, where we cover news, events, and other important info that small business owners should know about. Sure Payroll's Back of the Napkin podcast, where entrepreneurs share stories of their big journeys in small business. I'm Stephanie Davis. And I'm Dusty Weiss, and we're talking to Lee Kitchen, a creative consultant and brainstorming facilitator from the Orlando, Florida area. Lee, we're going to continue our conversation, but first, it's time for a fast five. These are five fast questions to get to know you a little bit better. So, lightning round. Okay, let's do it. I'm ready. What was the first <laughs> job you ever had? Uh, my very first job, I was 12 years old and I worked in my dad's warehouse. He sold marine parts. Wasn't really legit because they paid me under the table, but my first official job was at a car wash, which kind of shows you how old I am. Nice. So, there you go. Speaking of car washes, what about the first <laughs> car you ever owned? Uh, the first car I ever drove was a yellow Volkswagen Squareback station wagon, but the first car I ever owned was a Chevy Blazer. My parents helped me buy it, and they did it because they thought, you know, a young kid's going to kill himself in a car. Well, the car actually saved my life. When I moved to Florida, I got in a, an accident, rolled that car. It was perfect. I was perfect at the end. So They really are indestructible, those that. things. Yeah. It only got six miles to the gallon, but what the heck? I could stuff 12 people in there to go to a nightclub. That's all about it. <laughs> Amazing. When the pandemic is over, what's the first place you'll go to or the thing that you'll do? Well, I've been separated from my fiance in Canada for six months, so I'm definitely going there even before the pandemic is over. But when it's all over, I got to get back to my boat. I'm a boat owner here in Florida, and I can't wait to uh, get back on the boat and go check things out and maybe go to the Keys or something like that. Oh, wow. Yeah. I just, yeah. I, every time I ask somebody, how's the pandemic impacted you? I am always just stunned at how deeply it's hit some people, but not seeing your fiance for six months. That is insane. Yeah. <laughs> question the fourth. What's the last good book you read? Uh, you know, that's a funny question. Every time people ask that, I'm like, well, if the book had a subwoofer, I would read more books. I'm a movie <laughs> guy. I'm a visual guy. So I read creativity books just to stay ahead of it, but no, I'm, I'm a movie guy. So the, the last good book th that I read was something in the creative world. It was Tim Hurson's Think Better. I use all of the tools in there. And if you don't have it in your creativity collection, I highly recommend it. But yeah, I mean, if you want to ask me about movies, I watched the end scene for Avengers Endgame about 20 times. I watched it again last night. I can't get enough when the, the hammer comes to Cap and he finally says a line. Pure goosebumps. That's the greatest thing in the world. Come on. So <laughs> you worked at Disney. Lots of things happen. I mean, this doesn't have to happen there, but who's the most famous person you've ever met? That is a great question because I used to be a tour guide and for two and a half, three oh, years yeah. of my life, I was a VIP guide 
You may notice them in plaid uh, when they walk around the park. So I was lucky enough to host the entire Van Halen band. What? So I hosted Eddie nice. and Alex and Michael Anthony. Sammy Hagar had gotten sick that week. So they decided they were only there for Wolfgang's fourth birthday party. <laughs> and then they decided to stay for the week. So I got to hang out with Van Halen for a whole week, which was great. Stephanie, I also used to back up another tour guide friend of mine with Joan London and Regis Philbin. I was only the, the secondary on that, though. So I wasn't like... Buddy pals with Regis. I hosted Steve Young three years for the uh, quarterback challenge. Great guy. Used to leave me voicemails and stuff like that. But my most famous one that for me was Duran Duran because in high school I was a huge Duran Duran fan. So I got to hang out with Simon and Nick and their families for a day at the Magic Kingdom. And again, fulfill the life long dream. So incredible. I just I think you just blew Dusty's mind. <laughs> Steph, I think we have to retire this question. <laughs> Nobody is ever going to answer it better than that. No. <laughs> when I lived in Florida, I got to know a few people that had worked at Disney. And, and so I know that the the Disney thing to do when you're off the clock but still want to be connected to Disney is to go to Epcot and have a drink in Japan and have a drink in Mexico and, yes. and work your way around the world there. Did you work your way around the world with Van Halen? Uh, absolutely. Yeah. Drinking around the world, Van Halen. Yeah. It was really, really great. Really amazing. And you know, what's a bummer about that is that as a tour guide, you weren't allowed to get pictures with your stars. So I have so many times where I was, a, I had famous people, but I can't get pictures. And nowadays it's a habit that's hard to break. I got to be the executive host for Mads Mikkelsen during the Rogue One launch when they turned the spaceship Earth into the Death Star. Yes. Hung out with him. We went out to dinner and my friends were like, did you get a picture with him? I'm like, no, you're not supposed to do that. I'm like, dude, you're not a tour guide anymore. You should have got a picture. I was like, darn it. I should have got a picture. He was like the nicest guy, by the way. Super nice guy. Old habits die hard. That's a, that's a missed opportunity mm -hmm. right there. But It's wow. hard for me to walk, walk through any theme park or mall without wanting to pick up the trash. Stephanie, you probably experienced this too. Like when I walk through Universal, I, I struggle with not wanting to pick up all the trash at Universal just because it's a habit, man. It's yeah. <laughs> I do the same thing, but it's because I'm a nice Midwestern boy. <laughs> nice. <laughs> that's, that's just the way that you're raised. Yeah. Um, I imagine that after hanging out with Duran Duran, Van Halen, all that list of people that it helps you as a facilitator just have the confidence to just power through any social interaction. Yeah. But do you find that, oh, I've, I've been a tour guide for Van Halen, helps you in other ways in your professional career now? You know, I, I have to say that it helps humanize everyone. So if I go and I do a brainstorm with a bunch of super executives, senior vice president, executive vice president, there's so many people that I've worked with that are just so like nervous and scared of working. I'm like, no, I stand them up and make them do the dances too. I'm not, I mean, like I'm not scared of an EVP or a president of a company because in my mind, I want them to set the example. You know, if I signal that we're going to say yes, and if they say no, because it, it'll ruin the whole session. So I'm really specific about, Hey, if you don't set the example, it will compromise the session that we're in. And so I find that I can get away with it a lot more than say other people in other lines of businesses can do. You have worked with a lot of big personalities, a lot of big brands and really big teams. A lot of the Shapiro customers have just a handful of employees for the small business owners juggling it all. Plus having a small team, what is your advice for how they can embrace creativity? So top three for me would be collaborate as often as possible. So a lot of times in the small business world, you would think you have to take all that burden yourself. I, I have a creative sidekick and her name is Sura and I have another one in Canada. Her name is Emily. And anytime I have a challenge, we call each other and walk through our challenges together and we both bounce ideas um, off each other. So 
finding that person to collaborate with, even if it's just one of your staff members. I mean, I told you, Sarah, my fiance is my business manager. So we constantly collaborate and back and forth. The other one is find a way to make creativity a habit and less of an epiphany. So it's not like, hey, we're going to bring the brainstorm off the shelf and open up the creativity box. Let's think about ways to think differently all the time. And you've been in sessions where I tell people this, but don't marry your ideas. Let's find a lot of ideas before we walk down the aisle with them to make sure that the right idea is the one we actually marry, right? So uh, creating a volume of ideas is super important. And one final thing I'd say is diversity. If you have a brainstorm session, don't just invite the experts. Invite your colleagues from other businesses, things like that. It's really a great way to get ideas when you have a really diverse mix of people in the room. To that end, I've, I've seen you run a session. And one thing that I think that you do particularly well is when you take a group of people in a brainstorming session, let's say you've got 12 people, normally you're going to get two or three people who are going to contribute 90% of the creative <laughs> mojo to it. And the rest are going to sit back and go, yep, yep, okay, yep. <laughs> You do a really good job of mixing it up and of forcing everybody to get out of their comfort zones. How do you do that and why is that so important? It is important because you can't let the extroverts run the show because if it's up to us, that's the only people that would talk. So one of the things I do is I break people up into smaller groups and it's more like you're sitting at the bar riding on the back of the napkin, right? I mean, how many times have you gone to a, a, a high top table at a bar or a restaurant and you've got some colleagues and you're like, wait, I got this really great idea, you guys. And you're like, oh, you need to write that down. And you're writing it down on the napkin. That's that's where good ideas start, right? So I try to create an environment where it's less like a big room that you're throwing a lot of information at one person and more like it's casual. We're just sitting around our house playing with ideas. It also is, it's disarming because everybody's kind of at the same level. That's another purposeful reason I don't do a big introduction at the end to see who is who. Because there's always intimidation if there's someone at a higher level or, you know, more experience or something like that. So I just stick to names and fun stuff and then get people together to create ideas. It, it alleviates a, a lot of that stuff. Why is it, do you think, when you get a big group of people together that most people prefer to just kind of hang out on the periphery of that discussion? I think it's idea confidence. You know, a lot of people are told throughout their careers that they're not creative. And especially in the corporate world, they designate a whole team of people. Hey, those are the people that do creative. So you're not responsible for ideas. And then they're like, oh, well, I'm just not creative. Well, yeah, you are. Somehow you got dressed today and all your clothes might not have been clean or your dry cleaning wasn't done, but you figured out a creative outfit that you didn't wear yesterday. <laughs> so, I mean, we all have it inherently. I think it's just drilled out of us. I make the joke about when you go into kindergarten, you get a big box of 68 crayons or 128 crayons. And then when you graduate high school, you get one pen, right? So <laughs> the creativity is just kind of beat out of us for a while. And it's a skill, right? And so you have to practice that skill and you have to get confident. That's why people that are in the creative business, you know, art directors and copywriters, things like that, they're really good at it because they practice it every day. It's easier for them to do it. For those of us who don't have to make ideas all the time, we're just not as practiced in it. So it's a matter of confidence. I found actually at Disney after working the process for so long that every brainstorm got considerably better and everybody was equally as confident. And the results at the end of the session were percentage better each time. It was amazing because everybody just built up that muscle memory and that confidence and it led to really great ideas. That's so awesome and so insightful. And I think that if there's a takeaway lesson in this episode, that that point right there is something that's going to resonate with folks for a long time. Yeah, you got to practice it. 
Also, you got to get inspired, right? I constantly tell people they have to put on their calendar to go someplace to get inspired, whether or not it's a different website or talking to a person that has a different viewpoint than them or asking a kid about a challenge, how they would solve a challenge. You have to get a different perspective than your own and kind of keep your own perspective fresh by looking at how other people are doing similar things. If you're in the healthcare business, don't just go look at what other hospitals are doing. Go and look at what travel people are doing, your manufacturing is doing, or the car industry is doing, right? So don't stick inside your your lane. Look, look at all the other places to get inspiration. Speaking of learning new things and trying new things, this year you launched a creative show on Twitch called Inspiration in a Box, which is a spin on what you did in Disney, which was so much fun. And you also are now a DJ on Twitch as well. So what made you start those? How has that been going? It's been going awesome. And I'm really happy I did both of those projects I was sitting on the fence about them for years. Since I left Disney, I've had colleagues saying, hey, we should try to replicate Creative Couch, Creative Couch, Creative Couch. And I was like, oh, you know. And I had this one guy, Sean Brown, who I do that show with. I was like, we should just do it. We don't have to prep. Let's just do it. If we don't do it, then we're never going to do it. We tried it once. We got a great response. And it was kind of fulfilling a need, specifically with our Disney colleagues, because they don't have it anymore at Disney. So it was fulfilling somewhat of a need. But then it spread out to all of my other clients and colleagues. And it's just a once a month way. If you don't have any other way to get inspiration, join us for that hour. And we will show you 15 inspiring things, ads, products, services, things like that, that hopefully will help you think about your business differently. And it's been a lot of fun. Last time we had over 50 people. We were really excited. We started with like 20 and then the next one was 30. And then the last one was 50 people. So we were totally stoked. I love that. And we are big followers up here now. So I started since it's on a Friday. It's just kind of worked out that the following Wednesday at like 11 a.m., 10 a.m., everybody's free. And I've set up this just 30 minute block called Coffee and Creativity. So I'm like, bring your caffeinated beverage, bring your creative juices. I pull up all of the examples that you did. And I say, if you watched it, cool. If you didn't, also cool. Let's talk about the things that sparked any creativity in you. And we've actually had some ideas that were like, this would be awesome if we could implement something like this. Like there was an example with AI one time and we're like, we could do this and guide people through signing up. So it's definitely has helped us for sure. And you don't have to take any of that content literally. I mean, really, there's so many principles behind of what we're showing. So I appreciate the fact that you guys are digging deep to that principle because you know, the, on the surface, it may not work for you, but there's a principle behind what made it good and extracting that principle and applying it to your business is perfect. And I really kind of had the same theme when I started my DJ feed. I've DJed since 1985, right? I used to bring my little turntables and my little realistic mixer to parties because I hated the fact that people didn't care about music. So I, I've been DJing for a long time. I gave it up around 2007 at a wedding that I did because I was tired of lugging the equipment. Well, now in the internet world, I can do it all from the comfort of my home and I've got such a huge music collection. And one of the things I love is music diversity. I love every different kinds of genre. So I, in one night I will mix 60s music with dubstep, with Broadway, with Bollywood. I mean, it runs the gamut and I just love it because that's how music is to me. It's a whole different journey. And what I tell people is if you come to the show, then be ready to embrace stuff that you don't normally like, not just embrace it, but just just live it up, right? Dance like nobody's watching and get yourself some inspiration from a place that you didn't think. I have a good following there too. And I love doing it. It's my little creative outlet. So I'm going to keep doing that into next year. I hope fingers crossed. Oh, a wise man once said my dad, 
you don't go to a breakfast buffet and only get the pancakes. Right. And you don't <laughs> tune in and listen to music and only listen to one genre. So I'm going to yeah. have to tune that in and mm-hmm. check it out. Yeah. 9 to 10.30 on a Fridays, Eastern time. And then make sure you put me on the home theater system so you can get the thumping because I'm really trying to replicate the nightclub. Or you got to have that subwoofer going. Yeah, yes. man. I mean, that's the best. Don't just listen on the cell phone. So, <laughs> yeah. All right, Lee, it has been so great catching up with you. Thank you for sharing all of your insights and your creative juices and everything with us to kick off this podcast. Also, thank you for helping us name this podcast. Yeah. That was a sticking mm-hmm. point that we were stuck at and you saved our bacon. And the name is so great yes. because the back of the napkin is where any good idea comes from and any good concept. I bet if you asked all the people who have broke the rules in their industry, it started with the back of the napkin. They probably took a picture of it and they could show it to you, right? It's so perfect. <laughs> I've got some that are on the back of used printer paper, actually. But yes, do that same answer. Same principle, right? <laughs> His name is Lee Kitchen. He is a creative consultant and brainstorming guru, a magical dude, as he says. You can find him at magicaldude.com or find him on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Twitch, whatever your favorite platform is, Lee B-X-L-T. That's L-E-E-B-E-E-X-L-T on those social platforms. Lee Kitchen, thank you for joining us on the inaugural episode of Back of the Napkin. I'm so excited. Thank you guys so much for having me, and I wish you the best of luck. I'm going to tune into this thing all the time. I can't wait. Awesome. Thank you. We won't let you down. It's going to be a lot of fun. Take care. Thank you, guys. Well, Steph, that wasn't so bad for a first episode, right? No, definitely was not as painful as it could have been. Well, good. I got to say, you're a natural in the role. You crushed it. Super proud of you. Thank you. Thank you. I think Lee brings out the best of both of us, though. Um, But seeing as this is the first episode, we got to learn a little bit about you real quick. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? How did you wind up at Sure Payroll? And how did you get lucky enough to be assigned the job of working with me as podcast host. So I joined Sure Payroll almost three and a half years ago. I'm the senior content marketing specialist, which means I manage all things content for the Sure Payroll blog, the Sure Payroll social media channels, the website, and now I get to try out podcasts, which is so exciting. Sure Payroll is located in the Chicago suburbs. And fun fact, before starting at Sure Payroll, I had never been to Chicago before which was a big change, but very fun and very different from my Western New York upbringing. But how about you, Dusty? We mentioned in the intro that you are a small business owner, but it's no coincidence that you got picked to co-host this podcast. Well, no, not not so much. Podcasts are allegedly my thing. I've been a small business owner for about a year and a half now and am thrilled to add Sure Payroll to my client portfolio. My business, PodCamp Media, we produce podcasts for brands and associations that want to use podcasting as a way to engage their customers or their members. So I was just absolutely delighted to make the acquaintance of you and Carrie and the rest of the Sure Payroll team. And we are really excited to work with uh, such a fantastic brand with so many great stories to tell. And, And I always tell clients, be original or don't bother in the podcasting world, you guys have found this wonderful niche of telling these really cool small business owner stories. And so I feel so fortunate to be paired up with a company that has such a unique story to tell. And I'm looking forward to telling many, many more stories down the road here. Same. I think it's going to be a great time. Well, regardless of how we got here, that is all that we have for this episode of Back of the Napkin, where we explore the big journeys in the world of small business with the personalities who make it happen. 
please make sure you're subscribed in your favorite podcast app. And if you enjoyed the show, leave us a five-star rating or even a review. We would love to hear from you about any ideas you have for small business owners who we should be featuring on the show. Back of the Napkin is brought to you by Sure Payroll. From easy online payroll to 401k support and award-winning customer service, Sure Payroll has been serving the payroll and business needs of small businesses for more than 20 years. Learn more at surepayroll.com and get two months free as a new customer. Here on Back of the Napkin, our executive producer is my boss, Sure Payroll's Carrie Straits. Co-producers are Kevin Aubrey, Ashley Peterson, and Dave Papa. And our production partners are PodCamp Media. That's where we provide branded podcast production services for businesses. Our editor and producer is Larry Kilgore III. So thank you for tuning in to Back the Napkin. I'm Dusty Weiss. And I'm Stephanie Davis. 